French Senator Zhou Guerrero was honored by President Tsai Ing-wen at a Taipei reception on Thursday. The senator was awarded the Order of Propitious Clouds with Grand Cordon in honor of his contributions to Taiwan-France relations. Guerrero is on a six-day visit with the French delegation, the third one sent by the French parliament in the past year. Speaking at the reception on Thursday, he hailed Taiwan as his second home and pledged to defend it against its oppressors. Joel Guerrero, vice chairman of the French Senate's Taiwan Friendship Group, is leading a delegation on a Taiwan visit. On Thursday, he received the Order of Propitious Clouds with Grand Cordon from Taiwan's president in recognition of his support for Taiwan. I would like to thank my distinguished guests for their support for Taiwan. At the World Health Assembly held last month, we saw France speak out for Taiwan and demonstrate its strong support for Taiwan. This visit by our distinguished guests once again demonstrates that Taiwan is a priority for the French Parliament. It is of great significance to the bilateral relations between Taiwan and France. This is my second time in Taipei. But already, I feel warmly welcomed. I feel that this is my second home. I assure you, Madam President, that I will help Taiwan fight its oppressors, promote freedom in Taiwan, and fight those who seek to suppress Taiwan's freedom. Gary Ol made his first visit to Taipei in 2018. Over the years, he's been a vocal Taiwan supporter on the international stage. Last May, he and Senator Alain Richard proposed a resolution backing Taiwan's participation in global organizations. It was passed in a unanimous vote marking the first time the French Senate adopted a pro-Taiwan resolution. Despite continued marginalization, your country has opened its doors to the world and fought for its existence day in and day out. Your country has proven time and again that it is a mainstay of regional stability. Your endurance and resilience are admirable. We look forward to Taiwan and France deepening their cooperation in a variety of fields. This is a significant milestone in the economic partnership between the two sides. Early this year, I proposed a plan to strengthen our ties with Europe. I look forward to accelerating negotiations on bilateral investment agreements between Taiwan and the EU toward the goal of building a resilient supply chain. President Tsai Ing-wen looked ahead to a Taiwan-EU investment agreement. In recent years, Taiwan and France have ramped up their exchanges. Last October, Taiwan received French lawmakers led by Senator Richard. In December, it received another delegation led by former National Assembly President François de Rougy. Guerriot is now leading the French Parliament's third delegation to Taiwan in just one year. It has been an eventful week for a visiting delegation to Taiwan from Slovakia. On day five of their six-day trip, Slovak lawmakers visited Taiwan's legislative yuan. They attended the launch of a parliamentary friendship group between their country and Taiwan. The guests also learned about the day-to-day -day activities of the legislator and spoke with lawmakers across party lines. A token of friendship, the puffs made by our Yimei. It's a gift from one friend to another, a box featuring the flags of Taiwan and Slovakia, containing milk puffs from a Taiwanese food company. On Thursday, a Slovak delegation made a visit to the legislature to attend the inauguration of the Taiwan-Slovakia Interparliamentary Amity Association. The group met lawmakers from across Taiwan's party lines. All lawmakers, regardless of party affiliation, regardless of party, are in support of more exchanges and mutual assistance between Taiwan and Slovakia. Thank you to our good friends from Slovakia. We look forward to even greater ties in the future. 
I'm very impressed with the interest of the media and press uh, for the parliament. It seems that you are more important than government. So my colleagues from the Slovak delegation are very jealous. Originally, 10 members of the Slovak delegation were scheduled to attend the inauguration, but only a few could make it after the rest tested positive for COVID. Slovak National Council Deputy Speaker Milan Lorenčík and Slovak MP Peter Osuski, among others, were forced to cancel at the last minute. But the change of events did not dampen the spirits of the delegation. The guests made the most of their visit to the legislature, holding up vote approval and disapproval signs, posing for photos at the podium and interacting with lawmakers. One of the Slovak MPs noticed that the portrait of Sun Yat-sen had a hole in it. Legislator He Zhui and I told him that an opposition lawmaker had thrown a cup and torn it. They found it very interesting that democracy in Taiwan is so diversely expressed. It very much affirmed Taiwan's democracy for them. Lawmakers were happy to share the ins and outs of Taiwan's legislature with the delegation, even sharing memories of brawls between ruling and opposition party members. It's clear this will be one memorable trip for both the visitors and their hosts. Asia's top security summit is about to begin, with Taiwan firmly on the agenda. From Friday to Sunday, top military officials from around the world will converge in Singapore for the Shangri-La Dialogue. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is set to meet face-to-face -face with his Chinese counterpart to discuss issues including Taiwan, Hong Kong and Xinjiang. Japanese Defense Minister Kishida Nobuo will also meet with China's Defense Minister. He's set to expect more in China that Japan won't tolerate any use of force to change the cross-strait status quo. A South Korean F-15K fighter jet takes off from a runway, followed by an F-35A and a KF-16. On Tuesday, 20 military aircraft from the U.S. and South Korea engaged in joint exercises over the waters west of the Korean Peninsula. The joint drills were a response to North Korea's recent missile test. The same day, Japan's defense ministry reported that four Russian military aircraft flew toward Japanese airspace west of Hokkaido from the Sea of Japan. It was the first report of such provocative action by Russia near Japanese airspace in recent years, the ministry said. With tensions high in the Asia-Pacific, Japanese defense minister Kishi Nobuo is in Singapore for the IISS Shangri-La Dialogue, which will be held from June 10th to 12th. It will be the first face-to-face -face meeting between Kishi and Chinese Defense Minister Wei Fenghe. Aside from addressing tensions in the South China Sea and East China Sea, Kishi is expected to express Japan's opposition to any unilateral change to the situation in the Taiwan Strait. U.S. Defense Minister Lloyd Austin is also expected to meet with Wei and express the U.S.'s position on Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Xinjiang, among other issues. Because we are close geographically, what could happen in Taiwan would likely be an issue for Japan. The U.S., China and South Korea, everyone is very focused on the situation in Northeast Asia in terms of a mechanism for mitigating the risks of a conflict with China in the South China Sea, East China Sea or Taiwan Strait. I just hope that through bilateral talks, they can convince China to avoid actions that would risk miscalculation. In recent years, Japan has grown increasingly concerned about the situation in the Taiwan Strait. Former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo said that a problem in the Taiwan Strait would be a problem for Japan, and Japan's Prime Minister said he would not accept any change to the status quo by force. This year, in its official economic policy guidelines, Japan included a footnote on the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. 
If its military expenditures reach 2% of its GDP, Japan will become the fourth largest military power. Japan is very concerned about a future military threat from China, and one of its concerns is peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. There are fears in Japan that in the event of an attack on Taiwan, China would also launch an attack on Japan to prevent interference by the U.S. or Japan in its conflict with Taiwan. With concerns high over China's military ambitions, Japan and U.S. officials are expected to relay their positions to China at the Shangri-La summit in Singapore this week. A Guatemalan official has dispelled rumors about a break in Taiwan-Guatemalan relations. In a pre-recorded video, Guatemala's deputy former minister pushed back against a Chinese report, which said Guatemala hoped to strengthen ties with Beijing. The official said that ties between Taiwan and Guatemala remained, quote, rock solid. The video was played in Taiwan on Thursday at an event promoting Guatemalan coffee. Guatemala is the fourth largest exporter of coffee beans to Taiwan, accounting for 15% of the Taiwan market. Let's now take a moment to enjoy Taiwan's natural beauty from an unusual perspective. A short film filmed by, of time-lapse photography is revealing the natural wonders usually hidden by time. It's a creation of amateur photographer Zhuang Jiahe, who spent more than a decade roaming the country to catch never-before-seen, slowly unfolded dramas. From mountains vistas to scenes of the metropolis, Zhuang has uncovered Taiwan that most people have never seen before. The sun rises above Jiji Mountain. Clouds race over the ridge like a stampede of horses. As the sun sets, the sky shines like lava. From this quiet vantage point, the city glows like a magical landscape from a fairy tale. The Milky Way stretches out above in peach and blue. And here, flickers of lightning dance over the lens. Zhuang Jiahe says that of all the many photos he's taken all across Taiwan, more than 300,000, it's this vision of lightning in the sky that stays with him. When I was capturing the flashes of lightning, I was worried about what might happen that night. Zhuang's career isn't trading hearing aids, but he dedicates his creative energies to the visual world. He became fascinated by time lapses a decade ago. As he's traversed the country to capture its many natural wonders, he's already written off two cars and clocked up 470,000 kilometers on the odometer. With all that driving up into the mountains, he spent more than a million dollars just on gas. The time lapse makes us realize that by slowing down, we can actually see more beautiful landscapes. He captures wonderful scenes of Taiwan, showing the rest of the world just how beautiful the country is here. Now, more than 10 years of time lapses have come together to form this stunning film. Taiwan's natural beauty truly is priceless. The CCC reported 575 moderate to severe COVID cases on Thursday, setting a new single-day high. It also recorded a 211 pandemic deaths, which is nearly 40% more than the death before. One death involved a teenager who died two days after the onset of symptoms. Let's hear from the CCC.
呃十七岁的男呃的男性哈、哦，那本身是有呃慢性的神经系统。哦、One was a seventeen-year-old male who had a pre-existing neurological disease. He had received two doses of a COVID vaccine, with the most recent dose administered in May. On May 30th, he began experiencing symptoms, including a cough, excessive phlegm, difficulty breathing, lethargy, and impaired consciousness. He was sent to an emergency room, where doctors found that his blood oxygen saturation and blood pressure were low. Following a positive PCR test, he was admitted to an intensive care unit. Further examinations confirmed that he had pneumonia and respiratory distress. So drugs, including immunoglobulins, steroids, and remdesivir, were used. But during the course of treatment, he suffered septic shock and multiple organ damage. He died on June 1st. This is Taiwan's second COVID death involving a teen, involving someone between 13 and 18 years old. Also on Thursday, the CCC reported 72,921 new domestic transmissions. Kaohsiung had the most cases of any city or county, followed by Taizong and New Taipei. So far, 11.4 percent of Taiwan's population has contracted COVID-19. Officials say the infection curve is starting to trend lower in the north, but in central and southern Taiwan, infections are still in the so-called plateau period and ex are expected to remain high. Moderna has released promising data on a next-generation COVID vaccine. According to early clinical data, this vaccine produces 1.75 times the level of Omicron-specific antibodies compared to the current Moderna vaccine. Moderna says the formula could be ready to use by the fall season. Here in Taiwan, doctors are urging the government to plan ahead so that it's able to secure a supply. In Taiwan, the first dose vaccination rate is above 90 percent, while second and third dose rates are 82 percent and 66 percent, respectively. So far, vaccines have provided only limited protection against the Omicron variant, but that could be about to change with Moderna's announcement of a next-generation bivalent vaccine. The clinical data is promising, and the vaccine could be ready by fall. The level of neutralizing antibodies it produced. The level of Omicron-specific neutralizing antibodies it produced was 1.75 times greater. This is very good news. I think that we should plan ahead as early as possible. Let's start discussing our fourth dose. Moderna's vaccine is described as bivalent because it has two targets: Omicron and the original COVID strain. In clinical trials, subjects who receive a bivalent booster had eight times more Omicron-specific antibodies. Compared to subjects who had not received any booster, compared to subjects who received four shots of the original Moderna vaccine, subjects who received a fourth shot of the bivalent booster had 1.75 times more Omicron-specific antibodies. The preliminary data is positive, and more good news is expected soon from Pfizer, which is also developing a next-generation vaccine. The developer's initial output may be limited. If we want to get a hold of the second-generation vaccine by the end of the year, we have to plan ahead and buy early. That's something the CECC has to consider. Taiwan is still in the midst of an Omicron wave. If viral infections continue into flu season, hospitalizations could rise this fall and winter. According to a UK study, 3.3 percent of 212 hospitalized COVID patients had also contracted influenza. These patients were more than four times more likely to need a respirator. They were also 2.4 times as likely to die during hospitalization. Regarding fourth doses, if we have enough vaccines, I think that we can start rolling out fourth doses to more people. 
Today, more and more medical staff are getting infected. I think that we can start administering fourth doses to this group. That's something we can prepare for in advance. Taiwan has enough flu vaccines and antivirals, but it may not be able to buy next-generation COVID vaccines right away. If flu season coincides with reopened borders and new COVID variants, the country could be in for a major test, doctors say. Many nations are reopening their borders, and Taiwan could soon follow suit. According to experts and officials, Taiwan may start lifting its quarantine requirement for airline crew. The current threat isn't as great as that of the original variant. One important consideration is economic development. So when it comes to our border restrictions, I think that we can consider gradually easing them. Other nations have already opened up, but we are still in the epidemic's plateau period, and we need to get through this plateau period first. With respect to that, we will abide by the judgment of the CECC. But we think that rules can be eased for airline crew members who use travel bubbles overseas, who use their own special corridors and dedicated transport vehicles and can't leave their hotels after checking in. For airline crew, we believe that there's room to loosen the 3 plus 4 quarantine requirement. Currently, airline crew are required to quarantine for three days upon entering Taiwan. Plans are underway to lift the quarantine requirement and replace it with seven days of self-health management. According to the CCC, other border restrictions could ease later this year. As early as September, Taiwan may give the green light to outbound group tours. A new rice income insurance from the government aims to help farmers hit by big losses. It's been a devastating year for farmers so far, with unusual climate conditions hurting crops and the Ukraine war making a harsh export market. Now, the Council of Agriculture is launching policies to keep farmers in business. They also want to encourage farms to plant more grain to feed Taiwan's livestock. Agriculture Minister Chen Jizheng is in Yunlin to promote the new rice income insurance policy to farmers. If the average farmer's losses in the township have been 20% or more, they can automatically claim 18,000 NT. The climate has been topsy-turvy in recent years. Farmers complain of alternating droughts and floods, ruining crop after crop. The government is encouraging farmers to rotate crops and plant something different for one in every four growing cycles. Compared to the existing policy of cash relief, the rice income insurance will be a faster and more direct mechanism for protecting farmers' income. There will always be frost damage and natural disasters, so this insurance is a great policy for us farmers. Farmers have also been hit by the rising cost of international shipping due to the pandemic plus the Ukraine war. That's indirectly caused the price of Taiwanese cattle fodder to rocket. That's why the Council of Agriculture is offering incentives to plant flint corn. Any farmer who grows corn for livestock can claim 60,000 NT per hectare. So long as it's a legal farm, it can apply to plant flint corn. Both natural and human factors have cut into farmers' wallets this year. It remains to be seen if the rice income insurance and fodder incentives will do the trick to keep farmers on their feet. Are you a fan of art and design? Today, we've got an interview with one of Taiwan's first mega designers, the suitcase king himself, Peng Shonghuen. After more than 40 years in the world of fashion design, Peng retired in 2008 and dedicated himself to art.
Now he's turned his painting studio into a gallery to exhibit his colorful canvases. The artist stands by a large canvas, working at it with a concrete scraper rather than a normal paintbrush. But it's not just the brush that's unusual. Peng Xionghuan has a special system for mixing paint, too. A dozen juicers are lined up in the studio, covered in drips from all different colors. And then there's the exuberance of Peng's fashion sense. I love beauty and I care a lot about my clothing. For example, when I wake up, I consider my clothes. I'm not going anywhere special today, but I still want to dress smart. If I'm meeting a friend, I might think about what I was wearing when I saw him last time. I don't want to wear the same thing this time. Today, the artist was sporting a ponytail in Trilby, white shirt and jeans, and the perfect gold chain to complete the look. The designer is also known as Taiwan's suitcase and bag king. Many customers said, you should do some suitcases as well as these bags. So I gradually got into cases. Now, age 76, Peng has always been artistically gifted. He had his first exhibition at the age of 20 and at 25 started his bag business from scratch. Its colorful aesthetic was a hit with an international brand and Peng was catapulted into the life of an executive designer. We used four or five colors to put together a case. I was thinking, if I do a multicolored suitcase when the plane lands and I'm waiting for my luggage, I won't pick up the wrong case. After he set down his business, he turned back to the canvas. Although he never went to art school, his dedication to painting led him into the life of a full-time artist. I was painting in these and I got a few drops of paint on them. Then I thought, well, since they've got some drops on, I might as well paint all over them. These paint-spattered jeans became a unique fashion statement. Peng's workshop is now an art gallery where visitors can enjoy his many adventures in color.